Heavenly Father, you have gathered those that are here uh, in person and those that will be watching online, uh, Lord, into a community, a community of believers. And we ask that you would continue to strengthen us in our walk with you, in our relationship with you, and help us reflect on uh, areas of our life where we need to maybe repent and and give that over to you, that we can grow uh, more and more to be like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I was getting ready for this message, and I'm, I'm titling it Room for God. And um, going through the 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I actually had to read this text like six times just to understand what in the world Paul was saying. And, and how does this text link in with the gospel and, and those that are much wiser than I putting all these readings together uh, each and every week you know, for church? But we'll get there, all right? But here's what I understand as as I was preparing for for this message. It appears that Paul is responding to a set of questions that he received. So the church in Corinth uh, basically wrote to their former pastor saying, Pastor, uh, we have these questions. Help us understand certain things. And so that's what Paul basically does. If you would go back in chapter 7, Paul actually talks a little bit more about marriage. Uh, And it seems like there was a question along the lines of, should we be intimate with our spouse? Uh, And I'm going to let you who are married go back and and read those words, because Paul does have uh, some instructions there. Uh, But it seems like he's answering some questions, and we don't necessarily know what those questions are. What we do have, though, for today, in in verse 26 of chapter 7 to this first letter to the Corinthian church, uh, Paul says this, in view of this present distress, or in verse 29, he says, the appointed time has grown very short. Okay, but then he goes, what I say, weird. All right, he says this, he goes, from now on, let those who have wives, and you can also infer, or those who have husbands, Let them live as though they've had none. So is God and Paul saying, forsake my marriage vows? Hmm. He also says this, he says, those who mourn as though they are not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though that had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. Why? Because the present form of this world is passing away. So it, it seems like Paul is responding to a particular set of questions, and we don't know what the questions were. We can only just infer from what we're reading. Is Paul saying, forsake all of your worldly responsibilities, and in some way live such a life that you are so wholly devoted to the Lord that you're cloistered, you're almost like in a monastery? No, because that would go against his other teachings. But what he is trying to do is shift our priorities, and that's what this is about today, right? Basically, this is what I believe is happening in this particular text. He's being asked a question that goes something like this. Pastor, how do we navigate the times that we're in? How do we live in this world with all that we're experiencing? Right. It could be that the people in Corinth, the, the believers in Jesus, are being persecuted. It could be that they're just simply looking around at this society that they're in and going, 
Wow. Because they're being taught to live another way, this way of Christ. And, and how do they reconcile that teaching with what they're seeing and experiencing in their society? And these are the kinds of things that are happening in Corinth, right? Temples are being raised to every deity that anybody thinks exists. So you have Egyptian gods being worshipped. You have the god of Venus being worshipped. And with that, unfortunately, comes something called ritual prostitution, all right, those activities done to somehow please the goddess Venus. And to make matters worse, in order to be this welcoming society, what they do is they, they're involved in human trafficking. And they allow strangers to make use of slaves free of charge simply by saying, welcome to our community. If you look through history, Corinth is described as a wicked city absolutely wicked. So it's no wonder these people who are new to this Christian way of life are asking their pastor, how do we reconcile this? What are we supposed to do here? And I think that's a question that you and I, even 2,000 years later, are asking ourselves. How do we, looking at all that we see going on in the world, how do we, looking at all that we see taking place in the United States or in Michigan, how do we navigate the times that we're in? Paul addresses a very specific set of questions, but as he addresses that specific set of questions, what he does is also lay out a timeless truth, and that timeless truth is there for you and for me even 2,000 years later. So the Bible is very much alive and relevant. So what he's doing, if you go into the early part of the first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul basically takes this people with a set of questions, how do we live life? And he basically, in 10 verses, mentions Jesus 10 times. Each and every single one of those first opening verses, Paul mentions Jesus. And he does so in ways like this. In verse 8, he says, um, Christ will sustain you. He says in verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into this fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in verse 10, as he's just gotten done pointing God's people back to Christ, he starts to address a concern that was brought to his attention um, by a household from a lady named Chloe. And basically what Paul is being told is there's divisions rising up in the church. There's four groups of people um, that are basically saying things like this. Well, I follow Paul's teaching. Well, no, well, well, I follow Apollos' teaching. Or wait, I follow Peter's teaching, because after all, he's the better preacher. But there are some that say, well, the heck with that. I follow Jesus. And inside of like uh, this judgment on those that are saying they follow everything else. What's going on there? Human slogans... Human slogans being championed, being a battle cry, being a banner, creeping into the church as a way of saying, this is the best way to be. This is the best way to live. And folks, we are experiencing that even today. Human slogans, battle cries, people championing certain causes because this is the best way to be. And you know what I'm talking about. It's sentences like this. I follow the science. Or, on the other side, faith over fear. These are human sayings that are not grounded in Christian teaching. They're really more in the ideals of men. And Paul 
addresses those slogans in his day with these words. Church, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And in verse 6 of chapter 2, he says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom or in the ideals of men, but in the power of God. Paul, this pastor, with a heart for his community, wanted the people to be reminded, no, you need to be in God's word and drawing truth from that. You, you, you need to be reflecting on the work of Jesus Christ. He, he wants those people to find comfort in the gospel message of, of Jesus and salvation won for them. And then he wants this people to also be in the business of Christian love. And that's the timeless truth that you and I get to hear and take away today. That timeless truth of, of being in God's word and drawing from him his direction, his guidance, and feeding our uh, souls, right? We get to also reflect on the work of salvation that Jesus won for us on the cross of Calvary. We also get to um, be reminded of words like we sang in, in Psalm 62, in verse 7. Let me give you that again. Like, on God rests my salvation, my glory. He's my mighty rock. God is my refuge. And I love how those words are, are tied into this uh, worship service for this morning. But we also get to be in the business of sharing Christian love. And that's why I appreciated what Pastor Brad did last week as he called us to once again be the church. And what did he do? He says, what kind of church do we want to be? And he, and he basically set out this vision of a redemptive community where we live out grace and we live out truth, right? Paul, in this context, is also laying out a, a kind of a question. Last week we had, what kind of a church do you want to be? Paul is basically asking as a pastor, as he's being asked questions from him, his response is this, how's your relationship with the Lord? How's your relationship with God? He spends opening sentences pointing his people back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. And then basically his response to those questions start off being, how's your relationship to God? And, and, and where do I get that from? Paul basically says this. He says, listen, I want you to be free from anxieties. And then he lays out uh, these distractions. And they're good things. Right? Husbands, you, you, you can be distracted by the responsibilities that you have as a husband. You want to please your wife. You want to be there for your family. Wives, you want to please your husband. You want to be there for your family. There's roles and responsibilities, and those are good things. You are called to be a husband. You are called to be a wife. You are called to be a parent. Blessings from our Lord. But what Paul wants to do there is make sure that's not our only focus and shift our priorities on the things that matter first and put the first things first. You see, if we're following God, if we're growing in our relationship with him, then everything else falls into line. That's why Jesus says, seek me first in my righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. You see, this text is really a text to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And suddenly, the link between 1 Corinthians and what we had in Mark in the gospel where Jesus is standing by the Sea of Galilee and he's looking at some fishermen and he calls them out of that vocation. He says, I want you to be a follower of me. 
the rabbi, the Messiah, came looking and invited them into a journey with them to impact the lives for the kingdom of God, to grow in their relationship with him, to get to know him more, and then to make him known. And that's what we get to do. But my brothers and sisters, we need to, we need to repent of the fact that there's not a single one of us here where our relationship with the Lord is perfect. If it were, we wouldn't be here. We need to continue to grow. We get to continue to grow. Jesus invited those on the Sea of Galilee, and he's inviting you as well. You see, I titled this sermon, Room for God, but really, I want to remind you that it's probably better titled, Jesus Made Room for You and for Me. And we get to respond to that invitation. Jesus made room for you and for me. Look at what Jesus did on your behalf. Stepping down out of heaven. Entering into this world where you and I are, are confused. Because the reality is what we see out there is not much different than what we heard happened in Corinth. Right? There's temples being raised to every deity that people think exists. There's human trafficking, and the report is in every single zip code, so that means 48734. Bad things are happening, and some people are doing that all in the name of religion. We need something that we're grounded in, and that's our discipleship, that's our walk with Jesus, and he's made a way for us to have that happen. He made room for us to experience that, right? He stepped out of heaven. He did not seek the easy life. He knew exactly what was going to come. Crucifixion on a cross. Outcast from his own family. Basically, our Heavenly Father looking, turning away from him because of the ugliness and the marring of sin that was leveled on him. But Jesus still took on that weight, and he did that for you and for me so that we would know salvation, so that we would be exalted from our lowly states of being dead in sin and, and raised to new life, to have that promise of eternal life, and to live in that freedom. So you are going out today into a society that wants to pull farther and farther away from Christ. And we, the church, get to be the church, grounded in truth, the truth and the foundation of Scripture where we have a God that is going to walk us through every step of the way and give us his love and allow us to be a reflection of his love as we show people how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.